Welcome to the Ask a Swim Pro Show. My name is Ferris Savetti, co-founder and CEO of My Swim Pro, and I'm here with the head coach, president of the Energy Standard Group, James Gibson. What's going on? Hey, Ferris. Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me on, especially in this time. Uh, seems like we've all got a bit of time to sit down and have a chat, uh, and I'm looking forward to chatting to you. Right on. And yeah, it's a pretty crazy moment that we live in. I guess, how are you dealing with the situation enduring? Well, um, you know what? Uh, we're all in this together. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's strange. And a lot of swim coaches, a lot of head coaches, federations have been put in uh, quite un uncertain times at the minute. They're in difficult positions. Really, uh, what's the right way? No one really knows. Um, just when we don't have information. And uh, just to give you an update on my personal thing, I was in um, Turkey, well, 10 days ago, functioning as normal, training group as normal, full, full training. And then things started to change a little bit with Europe becoming more and more locked down. And Turkey was following suit. Um, so I made a decision, well, it was last Monday, we were all set to carry on training, uh, stay in Turkey, see this out uh, with the facility that we have there. But then on Tuesday, you know, what was a good decision on Monday was a bad decision on Tuesday because the borders were starting to close. And uh, I made a decision to close my program last Tuesday completely. So we suspended all training um, training operations even before the IOC made this announcement just on uh, health and safety of the athletes. And I made the decision to get athletes and staff back with their families and loved ones because we do have some staff that were in Italy and they were unable to get back to us to work because of quarantine. And uh, I was one step in front of all the stories and what I was hearing, I knew that this COVID-19 was a, a lot more serious than what, say, Great Britain and USA were taking it initially. And uh, so I made my decision early to close my program. And fortunately, that looks to be the right one because hotels and training facilities all over the world are closing. And now we're in a situation where we have one athlete that has access to a pool and a gym. And that they're, they're the privileged ones. And I guess we're in the same boat. Uh, the thing with this, it doesn't discriminate against the elite swimmers and the uh, uh, masters swimmers and the novice swimmers. We're all out of the water pretty much. Uh, so we're a community all in it together. Yep. We're all in it together. And I, I think it's um, it's telling that you made the decision early relative to what's been going on and whether it's the US or the UK. You know, how difficult was that decision and and how do you you know as a coach how do you project out you know you have all these athletes there's a lot of things going on how do you balance those decisions well Ferris it was absolutely the hardest decision I made in my life in terms of swimming and uh, I didn't really sleep for uh, what was it four or five days just thinking about what was the right thing to do and because the Olympics at that point hadn't been cancelled um, uh, there was and it, it just felt uh, when, I, when I was coming to training, I wasn't getting the best from the swimmers because they were stressed. And uh, it was the unknown and the uncertainty, family, loved ones, stories. And it was, con it was like consistent negative messages. So mm. we weren't even really training. I, I had bodies in the water, but I wouldn't say we were, were working or getting better. And uh, it just hit me that it, it now is more time for the human. It was more to be the human side and get people home and then they can uh, figure it out with their federations in terms of what to do with training. And fortunately, it was all the right decisions. I didn't know it was the right decision because the training base in Turkey is now closed. So uh, there would have been no alternative. We'd have been contacting the ambassadors to get us home. Um, 
but now it's yeah, it's time to alleviate some stress. Uh, so none of my guys have, have really been training for the last sort of week and a half, and I gave them all this week off um, because it just I felt that uh, it's it's the stress and the build up of stress that takes away from what you're actually trying to achieve in the water anyway. So we weren't getting anywhere. Um, I give them a time off and then we will rebuild to reset the goals, uh, try and make some goals for, for proje projected planning. Is the Olympics going to be April? Is it going to be July? I think we can guess that NBC's money will have some sort of weight and probably look towards the summer of 2021. But no one really knows. But So we're in this state of flux where the swimmers can't take a break, but they've got to try and... Uh, I use the word decondition uh, as the least amount as possible. They yeah. will decondition. They will. So I accept it. I'm not stressed about it. But the idea is to try and slow that, slow that decondition down. Mm -hmm. And then when the announcement came out that, you know, 2020 to 2021, was that a relief? Like what, what was, was it good, bad? I mean, how do you evaluate that emotionally? <laughs> It's a, it's a strange one because I had, I'd say 80% of my group were doing exceptionally well. Um, we were doing very, very well in our training cycle. And I was very confident that, you know, we're building into a fantastic year. Um, but then it's, it was the fact that I had sent them home before any announcements had been made. And it kind of vindicated my decision. I, I made the right call early that, and you can't ever predict what's going to happen with these multi, uh, what's all the, so the, the rhetoric from the IOC was we're going to continue no matter what serious lack of empathy for the people that couldn't train. I, I don't think the yeah. people, the bureaucrats making the decision really understood what was going on in the ground. Yeah. And thankfully that someone gave them a kick up uh, the backside and they made the right choice. Um, so, you know, uh, it came as it wasn't a shock that the announcement came. It wasn't really relief. It was more okay. That is what it is. Let's now think of that's the facts today. Now we move forward. So the way I was dealing with everything in Turkey was we were having daily briefings at twelve thirty. Just I said to the athletes, these are the facts today. We will base our decisions on what the facts are, and uh, it might be the wrong decision tomorrow, but that's all we can do. Um, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do moving forward now like the fact is now the olympics is cancelled we still don't know when it's going to be there's speculation but right. the fact is now it's been cancelled it could happen between january 2021 and august 2021 that's been the the official line so we need to prepare for that uh, until we know otherwise there's no point taking a big holiday or a big break and and to, so we just got to go with what what happens now and what we actually know yeah. And I think what advice do you have for coaches who really have no idea what to do? You know, maybe they're not training for the Olympic Games, but, you know, the nationals or sectional state championships, regional. And, and like, how do, you, how do you advise to communicate with your team or just even think about the, the, like the longer term approach to this? So, I, you know, what every, every coach has a different dynamic with their swimmers and, uh, I don't like I'm not I don't like to to preach to people that probably know uh, their athletes a lot better than what I do. Um so I can just tell you my experience and what I've done. Um so in this period I've told well the staff that we're working with we're taking our foot off the gas. We're not this is a heavily stressful period for everyone involved. Um 
So athletes do not have access to facilities. They cannot train, uh, which is a stress in itself. Um, the last thing they need is a really regimented program around them that they might not be able to do. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing at Energy Standards is we are literally bombarding a platform full of information, weight training, circuit training, home training um, for athletes that can get pulls. We've got 40, 50, we're going to get 40, 50 workouts on there so they can just choose what they might be able to do. So we just ask it had a period of time off for the athlete to get comfortable in their life at home, which is difficult in itself if you can't go out or do much. And then as of next week, we're going to start, we're asking them to do one thing a day, whether that be a, a gym session, if they can get to the gym, a swim session, if they can get to a pool, or if it's a home gym session that's controlled by our strength and conditioning coach. Um, so it's just one thing a day and it's, they can pick and choose what they can do. And they're giving them a lot of ownership on this. It's purely the fact that I, I've got a guy in Estonia who's in quarantine. I've got, uh, Sarah Shostrom, who's still got access to all facilities. We've got uh, Ben and Georgia in Britain that can't go out of the house, um, but they can still run around the, the, the block, per se. Yeah. Everyone is different, and it would be wrong to put them together mm. and find them because that would just create more stress. So we're just asking them to do the best they can and keep in regular contact. We have a Zoom call two, three times a week all together. Um, and it's just that regular communication. But for age group programs, masters programs, you know, I'm not I'm not the professional there, so I wouldn't really like to comment on what these guys can do. And ultimately the coach might feel like they don't know what the best course of action is, but they're more qualified to make a, a good judgment with their athletes. For sure. Um, from a focus perspective, I guess when you're when you're doing these Zoom calls, like what are they like when you have everyone Connect. I mean, the, on one side, you know, the situation sucks. On another side, it's an opportunity to come together in a different way than, than you were used to, maybe. So what's that dynamic been like? Well, they're all elite swimmers, so they have a degree of attention deficit disorder. So <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying to hold, trying to hold a 15-person a conversation uh, and keep everyone concentrated is a challenge in itself. Um, no, but it's, it's quite nice. You've you, you got to find a way to, to keep connected and keep transparent. And it's also, guys, this is an update. This is, this is what we know. You know, this is what, uh, James, do we know about European championships? Do we know about, no, we don't know anything. So it's kind of this uncertainty. We've got to be trying to find some sort of comfort in the uncertainty and uh, just keep everyone talking and, and actually allow a platform for the athletes to speak as well. The elite athletes is so important because, and it's that one-to-one communication, not just the zoom calls because some people have anxieties that others might feel uh, that they don't have to face. So they don't want to bring it up. So we have to always keep uh, regular communication. I try to speak to the athletes every day, one-to-one or a text message or something. Um, even though there's not a lot I can do at the minute, but um, that's what my, my goal is anyway. Cool. Awesome. Let's, let's rewind and talk about ISL energy standards. So we sort of skipped over it, but for those who don't know, like what, how would you describe the energy standard? Like what, what is, what is it? If someone's never heard of it, how does that work? Look at that t-shirt. It's beautiful. Like that (laughs) t-shirt. Champ t-shirt. So what is, what is energy standard? And and then what is the ISL? So we're a, we're a full-time professional swimming, swimming team. Uh, we're Energy Standard Paris is our official name. Uh, we've got a training base in the south of Turkey where we run training camps. Uh, 
um, majority of the year. Uh, we've been in existence since 2012, uh, mainly Russian-Ukrainian club in 2012. I, I took over as head coach and director from 2016. And we've obviously, we've got a lot more international feel now in our program. We have 14 full-time athletes, all of all are professional, all are funded, all have access to elite training environment and uh, coaching. We have a full-time staff in itself. We have two two assistant co- well, not I don't like I don't usually use the word assistant coaches, but two elite coaches and um, uh, and a strength and conditioning coach and two sort of uh, full-time well, full part-time physiotherapists. Uh, so we're 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 kind of a one of the only professional clubs in the world, I'd call it. Um, so we were we had been in existence for a while, and our existence was kind of as a model for future the future international swimming league, which was sort of the brainchild of Konstantin Grigorishin, and uh, we created with well, the ISL has created uh, ten now ten professional clubs in itself. The first year was more athlete, the first and second year is more athletes coming in racing for the team as be- while they prepare for the Olympics. And then as the league progresses and more matches, we were scheduled for 27 matches, 27 meets uh, after the Olympics, so 2020, 2021. But that obviously that's going to have to be reviewed uh, because of the current status, and that will be reviewed. Um, so the idea long-term is that we start to create a real culture of professional clubs like Energy Standard where – uh, the elite swimmers of the world can earn money and each club this year can have up to 40 athletes 10 clubs 40 athletes that's 400 swimmers can benefit financially from ISL uh, in the future so it's it's an exciting time uh, last year we, we we did like the, the first ISL season and uh, we won by the skin of our teeth on the, the final skins race we actually did it three times in a row but um, I was quite lucky I knew that the, the meet focused on male and female sprint freestylers. And when I recruited my team, I was very heavy on those. We were weak in the distance events, but to give away a few points in those to make up in the skins was, was more important. Yeah. And I was at the, the final in Vegas. That's actually where I got this shirt. By the way, I purchased this before you guys won. So I was like trying to scope out the, the, the teams and everything. It was actually remarkable how close a lot of it was. I mean, to have it all come down to like the, the final moments. And then that was like, so watching it online, you know, in the meets leading up was like pretty cool. And then to know that I would be there in Vegas and then to see it in person, some of that actually exceeded expectation. And normally like, I mean, I've been to a lot of big meets, so it's like, yeah, it's fast swimming, but that was like cool. So what would you think the biggest benefit from a fan perspective is if they were to like go to something like this or just live stream it? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you, like the, the actual show in the stadiums was, was fabulous. Um, and we didn't quite get across onto the live stream or the television. It wasn't quite the, up to the, you didn't feel what you, people felt in the stadium. So when we had the meets in London and Naples, you know, you got three, 4,000 people coming in a night and it was full and it was loud and it was electric. Um, and, uh, and it was it was kind of like the in, the show in the stadiums was and we had people that never been to swimming before were, were loving it because it was so fast, the format was so quick and we're seeing or um, well, Constantine recognised it was one of his first things was swimming is too slow, it doesn't hold uh, it doesn't hold the audience's attention yeah so 
when you go to uh, well championships or Olympics or European championships and you sit through okay 10 heats of 1500 or eight heats of 400 uh, medleys I, I, I like them events personally I do I'm a coach but for a regular spectator that makes them turn off yeah and even even heats of 50 freestyle you get 25 heats of 50 freestyles it's, it's not exciting so he recognized a need for uh, the changing public like the, the new breed the generation x that we've got now are addicted to the iphones the game the games consoles whenever they hear a ping their eyes come off they can't watch uh uh, American football or soccer anymore because it's it's not fast enough. I think only, there's only really basketball that's holding a really strong pace uh, now. So we needed to create something super fast and so something to hold people's attention and that's what the ISL is. It's like a race goes and one and a half minutes later there's another race. One and a half minutes later there's another race. And we had a lot of negative feedback to start with from the swimming purists. Can't see the times, can't see who's who. But in reality, in the stadium, it worked sensationally. And I think, you know, it's up to us uh, and ISL to make sure the production is, is, is really up to par to get that message from the stadium to the screens because we need to connect with the millions of viewers at home and not necessarily the two or 3,000 in the arena. Mm, yeah, one uh, fun story about that. When we were in the arena, I saw this like pack of kids. They were, you know, teenagers, age groupers. They drove nine hours from San Francisco down to Vegas. And because of like the timing and stuff, they only got to see like one day. <laughs> um, but they were so pumped and so excited to drive nine hours to a swim meet. And I think like no one would do that <laughs> like a few years ago. Like maybe they'd go to Olympic trials or something. But to go to like a, a non, you know, U.S. Olympic trial equivalent thing. And I think the ISL final was definitely on that level. Where do you think the, the, like, what's next? Where do you see this? You know, mentioned 10 teams. Like, what are the next things that people should keep an eye out for? Well, it, it's just a little bit up in the air at the minute. Like, uh, with the, the, we, we did plan to run a season of 27 matches from uh, September through to April. Um, and it was we were in the middle of the recruitment phase now, really, and the teams were were, were coming on very well. Um, but that's a little bit up in the air. Like there's been lots of you know we need to just wait and see what the facts are around when the Olympics are, and you know be very respectful to the athletes and their and their federations. We don't want any clashes. Don't want any to step on people's toes and get them to commit to things they can't necessarily do. And We've got to understand that the swimming community is going to be hurting a little bit. Like there'll be athletes that lose their contracts at the end of this year, and you know, there's there's also a, lot, a few people might be worried how they can support themselves to the Olympics. And I think ISL can plug that gap very well. Like I said, we can fund 400 athletes in some way. Um, there's definitely a scope to do something. Uh, even some ideas I read on an email this morning, some sort of reality swim meet with reality TV going around and uh, there's, there's so many, there's actually now, there's a lot of opportunity to, because it's a blank sheet of paper, but it's a blank sheet of paper for all sports, uh, for American football, you know, is it fun to go to, to play in front of no crowd for American football, 90,000 uh, 90, seat of stadium empty? I don't think that format works, but you know, if with the ISL format, we don't necessarily need a hundred thousand spectators to make the show. So mm -hmm. for American football and soccer, the show is more the crowd nowadays than the actual quality of the entertainment. Yeah. 
So we, we have an opportunity and uh, we got, sorry, my phone's pinged. Uh, we've got an opportunity and there's a lot of people working very hard, uh, clever people to try and work out what, what's the best best way to position us, um, especially because the athletes will, will get ready for Tokyo next year. We respect that. And that's going to be a priority for them. But we, we're going to fit the ISL in somewhere, somewhere very appropriate and help the swimming community. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, a lot in the up, up in the air, but there's a lot of smart people working and passionate about taking it to the next level, given the changing circumstances. Um, what, one final thing I want to give the fans a, a taste of, maybe give us a behind the scenes look when things were more normal at your training group. So you have like the who's who of swimming for the most part at your pool in the facility. I mean, we're like the big names like Soystrom, who you mentioned, Chad Laclo, Manadu, right? Like these are the heavy hitters. What's it like to have some of the best athletes that the sport of swimming has ever seen like training at the same time? How, how, do, you, how do you manage that and what's that like? It's not, it's, 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 I don't really call it a job. It's a pleasure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, get to, I get to wake up every morning and go and, go and work with Chad Laclo, who's a little crazy and... Uh, uh, just an all-round fantastic guy who just pulls up the energy of everyone else. Um, it's it's a, it's a real privilege, honestly, for me. I'm one of the most privileged swimming coaches in the world to get to work with these this level of athlete. And uh, the the learning that takes place for me is is unbelievable. I had a uh, Gennady Cheretsky was over with me last week, the coach of uh, Alexander Popov and. Uh, and uh, he came along to the session just to watch, and he was like, "So lucky that you get to learn from these athletes." And look, uh, I've done all my coaching qualifications. I've done what I need to do. I've, uh, but you really learn from working with different athletes from different different backgrounds. And Chad's from Durban in South Africa. He's got Bert Leclo as his father, who's amazing, and he's a crazy guy. Uh, you've also got guys from Eastern Ukraine and Russia that come into the program, very different lifestyles. Um, uh, Florent Manadou, Olympic champion from Paris, I'm oh, sorry, from South of France, took three years three years off and they got to rebuild in Pernell Bloom, Olympic champion. You learn so much from these swimmers and just from talking to them. And uh, they actually make me better every day. I get a fantastic staff that I work with. I have a an incredible dry land coach, Marco Crosso, and uh, Tom Russian, who supports me on the pool side. Um, but, you know, it's a privileged, it's an infectious working environment, actually. When you, you, sometimes they get sick of racing each other at um, certain times, but um, it's just how you structure the training. No, that's incredible. And just uh, seeing whether it's on Instagram, whether you're posting it or what some of the athletes are posting, like I imagine for myself as a swimming fan and everyone in the world who's a swimming fan, they know anything about swimming. They're like salivating by these posts just to see like, wow, that's so cool. They did that specific drill or they race. Like I can only imagine how fast (laughs) they're going in workout together to race each other. So I think that's really cool. Uh, And it's the Gloria Arena, correct? Yeah, glorious sport arena in uh, South Turkey. Unfortunately, they just closed um, just due to the political situation, not political situation, the COVID-19 situation. Uh, but the, as soon as they reopen, we'll be there. We'll be back there. And as soon as this has all settled down, you know, like at the minute, it's important to be at home. Um, everyone that stays at home doesn't take a bed in hospital for someone that might need it. Uh, and this is, I'm truly believe that. And 
uh, my team and everyone around me are supporting the messages of the government. And uh, I think we're swimming community is smart and, um, and that's, all I, that's, that's all what I've seen. And in fact, I'm a little bit sick, sick to death of watching home workouts <laughs> on Instagram. They've been sat, it's been saturated now. So a lot, <laughs> I think of, we got a lot of material. Content. A lot of material out there, but we look forward to when you guys can return. And I'm with you 100%. Stay home, stay safe, worry about your health, take care of yourself. We'll recalibrate as we learn more information. But in the meantime, that's not the most important thing in the world. Your health and safety of, your, of yourself and those around you is definitely more important. So uh, awesome. And thank you again for joining me uh, from the UK for the Ask a Swim Pro show. Check out Energy Standard. We'll link it in the description, but you can learn more about all these guys and what they're up to in the description. But thanks again, James, and we wish you the best and stay safe. Thanks, Faris. Thank you very much.